Chapter 1. My Early Years I have been reminded throughout my life that the day I was born, September 1st, 1939, was the day the Germans marched into Poland, making the first aggressive move that began World War II. I was the last of my parents' four children and the first to be born in a hospital. The others were all born at home. I was born in Price, Utah. My father liked to tell the story of being at my birth. He had witnessed the birth of his other three children, my brothers Verl and Donald and my sister Elaine, and he wasn't about to miss my birth. However, at that time in history, the hospital did not allow the father to be present in the delivery room, and the doctor and the nurses that were there told him so in no uncertain terms. His reaction was typical of a man who had seen rough times throughout his life. Speaking to the doctor and the nurses, he said, Well, if you think you're big enough to stop me, you can just go ahead and try. Needless to say, my father was there to witness my birth. I might mention that I am about 15 years younger than my older brother, Verl, 10 years younger than Don, and five years younger than my sister Elaine. My mother and father were both 36 years old when I was born. I was born right at the tail end of the Great Depression. During this period of our country's history, there were very few jobs available. My father had to work very hard at whatever work he could find just to provide the bare necessities for his family. One of the jobs he did to earn money was repair sewing machines. I remember him telling of how he would often get paid in potatoes, onions, eggs, chickens, or whatever commodities his customers might have to offer. Actual cash money was extremely hard to come by in those days, so bartering was a common practice. By the time I was one year old, the war in Europe was heating up, and the relationship between the USA and Japan was starting to break down. Our country was beginning to gear up for potential war. Ironically, this gearing up process actually helped in the Depression. Jobs were starting to open up in the defense industry. My father, along with thousands of others, headed for California, where most of the jobs were, leaving his family behind until he could get settled. He found a job as a machinist at the Mare Island Naval Shipyard in Northern California. Mare Island was situated just across a small estuary from the city of Vallejo. This estuary was formed by the Napa River, which ultimately emptied into the San Francisco Bay and then the Pacific Ocean. At the shipyard, they built and repaired submarines, destroyers, and other naval vessels. There were thousands of sailors stationed at the shipyard. The shop my father worked in was the machine shop, Shop 31. He was proud to be a machinist, and he worked hard to do his very best. Eventually, he had earned enough money to afford to bring the rest of us out to California. The only thing I have ever heard about the trip from Utah to California was that by the time we got to Reno, we had pretty much used up all of our budgeted food money. Nevertheless, my mother insisted that we stop at a restaurant and get a bowl of mush for the baby, which, of course, was me. 
She said they charged her 25 cents for that bowl of mush. Can you imagine that? 25 cents for a bowl of mush during the Depression. She was so mad at that outrageous price that she kept the bowl. It's important to understand that because my mother was so strictly honest in all her dealings, this had to be a big thing for her to keep that bowl. She was making a statement. But I have the feeling that the guilt she carried over the years for keeping that little bowl was far more costly than the 25 cents or the statement she made. I believe our first home was in Boys Springs, but eventually we moved into a government housing project in Vallejo called Roosevelt Terrace, named after our president, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Each structure consisted of ten two-story apartments connected within a long concrete building. There were about twenty or more of these buildings in the project. Our apartment had a small living room and a kitchen downstairs, and I remember that we didn't have a refrigerator. We actually had an ice box, and the ice man used to deliver ice a couple of times a week. Anyway, besides the kitchen and living room downstairs, there were three small bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs. There was a front door and a back door. The front door opened to a sidewalk that ran parallel to the building, and beyond that there was a lawn that was about 40 feet wide, which also ran the length of the building, and then another sidewalk and another building with the front doors of its apartments also facing the lawn. The back door was similar with the sidewalks and another building approximately 60 feet away, but instead of a lawn in between, there were gardens and clotheslines and things like that. That was fine with me, and with the other kids as well, because everything and everywhere was our playground. My first memories of living there are when I was about three or four years old. It was right before my eldest brother, Verl, enlisted in the Navy. My memories of him at home are sketchy, but I do remember a couple of things. He loved good music and had a couple of 78 RPM records that he played over and over on our combination radio console and phonograph player. One was Rhapsody in Blue and the other was Horace Staccato. Perhaps this was the beginning of my love for this type of music. I'm going to pause right here and play just a portion of both of these pieces so that you can hear the beautiful music that I fell in love with when I was just a little tyke. First, Rhapsody in Blue, and then Horace Staccato.
So I ask you, how could anyone resist that kind of music? As a four-year-old, I was hooked. Okay, a little more about my brother Verl. He had a job at a Chevron gasoline station near the entrance to Mare Island, about four miles from where we lived. He wore a white uniform with a white cap and a black bow tie. That was back in the day when service stations actually provided service. He looked very spiffy, and I was proud that he was my brother. One day, I decided to go and see Verl while he was working at the gas station. I think I was about four or five, about the same time that I learned to like this music. I asked a little neighbor girl if she wanted to go. She said, yeah. And we set off on our adventure without saying anything to our moms. About two hours later, we were still walking in the general direction of the service station when a car pulled up. It was her father. It seems that he and everyone else in the neighborhood had been frantically searching for us for the last two hours. Well, when we got home, my mom was happy, and she was happy to see me all right. She kissed me all over. But then she took me into the bathroom, dropped my bib overalls and underpants, and spanked me quite well on my bare butt. I never wandered off like that again. The other thing I remember about Verl happened a few years later when he came home on leave from the Navy. He gave me a special present that he had brought home with him. It was my very first pair of roller skates, and I loved them. They were the kind with steel wheels, and they clamped onto my shoes with a special key that tightened the clamp. I remember holding on to him as he helped me skate around our building. I was so proud of those skates. Later, those same skates found their way to the bottom of a piece of wood that I used to make my own wooden skate scooter, like the one in the movie, Back to the Future. By the way, when I was a little boy, my shoes were always high tops. I didn't get to wear low tops until I was eight or nine years old. My socks were always wearing out, and I remember Mom darning them. She would put a light bulb in the end of the sock to hold the shape while she sewed it together with needle and thread. My mom made most of the clothes I wore until I was about seven or eight, and I never really did appreciate that. In fact, I was really happy when I was finally able to get some store-bought clothes from J.C. Penney. Mom made my clothes, and Dad cut my hair. He used hand clippers, didn't have electric clippers back then, or at least he didn't, and they always pulled and yanked my hair. It was torture getting a haircut from my dad. When I finally got to go to a real barber, I was scared to death because I just knew, I just knew the barber was going to pull my hair out and I definitely didn't want to cry in front of a strange man. Amazingly, he used electric clippers and didn't pull my hair once. From then on, brother, it was the barber for me. Mm -hmm.